Hello and welcome to Pick and Pod, the playoff edition here. I'm alongside Nick Rassiopi and Reed Horner. I'm Tyler Freire. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Very good. Reed, how are you doing? Wonderful. <laughs> well, let's get right into it. We're, we're big NBA fans here at WFUV, and I have a great crew with you guys here today. So let's, let's get right into it. We have the Bulls leading 2-0 against the Boston Celtics. That's probably the biggest surprise of the weekend and uh, this past Monday. Monday. Um, Isaiah Thomas is dealing with a really tough situation. He lost his sister at 22 years old to a car crash. So condolences out to him and his family. But they still have a series to play, and they're in big trouble as they head to Chicago down 2-0. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty weak number one seed, as a lot of people talked about before going into the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough situation for Isaiah, but even then I don't think that's the issue. His play, as it was good in the first game. Game two wasn't atrocious, but the other guys have not played well, and Chicago has just been incredible. They've continued that shooting that was really good for them late in the year, and they have those veteran guys, Rondo and Wade and Butler, who's just an absolute stud. They, they've just been playing at another level right now yeah going into the season I always thought the Bulls were going to were going to be a train wreck because of the roster they put together ball dominant Rondo ball dominant Dwayne Wade ball dominant Jimmy Butler didn't think it was going to work and it didn't work something has changed now partly because the Celtics they don't have a clear-cut superstar I know as much as you love Isaiah Thomas and I love him I think he's a great point guard he's not the face of a franchise and Jimmy Butler is but second off there are just some things that have happened that we couldn't see coming. Dwayne Wade last night was three for four from the three-point line. This is a guy as a Mi- right, yeah. as a guy who grew up watching him in Miami. He was never a three-point shooter. Now he's hitting seventy-five percent from behind the arc. Ray- Rajon Rondo is not being selfish with the ball in the sense that he's knowing where to put the ball and where to get it. And then players like Bobby Portis in Game One come out. Score over 15 points, and then Paul Zipster uh, in this last game Zipster, com- yeah, like ca- came off, and and this is the key to upsetting a team. And then you talk about on top of that, the Celtics. You're right. I I'm prepared to say are the worst number one seed in NBA history. I I agree with a lot of points you just said right there. And throughout the year on Picking Pod, we've actually hit on this a couple times that that ball dominant Jimmy Butler and ball dominant Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo wasn't really a good combination as they kind of squeezed into the playoffs. They were tied with Miami for the eighth spot, yeah. so due to a tiebreaker, they got in. So, safe to say, nobody really expected them to win a playoff series. So the fact that they're up 2-0, I think it really goes back to um, Rajon Rondo. Because throughout the year, he really struggled. He wasn't him- himself. Um, and you've kind of seen this with Rondo in the last couple of years as he um struggling to find a home after Boston and uh, kind of bouncing around to the Kings and the Mavericks. And it's not because of his talent. Not at all. It's it's And me and Nick spoke about this uh, a little bit in the pre-production meeting that he's he's hard to coach and... I just think as of recently, he's really just elevated his game and started to realize that, hey, I have a really good a really good superstar in Jimmy Butler. I have a three-time champion in Dwayne Wade, and I have a really good center and a lot of really good role players. So I think he's finally realizing that, hey, let me get back to my, my true self, that Rajon Rondo that kind of led them, that helped lead the Boston Celtics to a championship in 08. So I think the play of Rajon Rondo at the point guard position has been crucial for this uh, Chicago Bulls team, and he's kind of outplayed Isaiah Thomas. I mean, even though the Bulls have played really well, I still think the issue is Boston's play. I mean, th- this team is way more talented than Chicago, and they and they obviously because they won so many games this year, they they just haven't played well at all in this series uh, outside of Isaiah Thomas probably in the first game, and I think they kind of got a 
like deer in the headlights kind of thing where they saw all these superstars in the other team. Sometimes a, a young team like Boston with not a lot of playoff experience on their roster, they see these guys that have won championships and been in the playoffs, and they get nervous. And I think that's been a huge key for them, that veteran presence on Chicago. I mean, they're getting killed on the boards every night, yeah. and they're just not playing how they used to play. Well, Rondo's a big deal, too. And this is basically why I don't think you should have a score-first point guard on your team. Because as great as Isaiah Thomas is, we're seeing the limitations of what happens when your point guard is also your main tool to score. Seeing it not only, we'll get into the in the West as well with Westbrook, is that someone like Rondo, who had 14 assists last night, gets the entire team involved. It's the same reason I think Lillard and McCollum are struggling against the Warriors, even though they each score above 35 points, is because... They have the ball in their hands so much to get those two points. It's too much work. And then I have a second thought I wanted to share with you guys and what you guys think about this is that whether you agree or disagree with me that the Celtics are the worst number one seed in history, if you disagree with me, you're stupid, but it's fine. <laughs> Regardless, I think that they have the seed because of this of a larger problem in the NBA is that the regular season with each passing season loses its urgency. So... Team, the, the quote-unquote best team in the NBA or in each conference isn't really care about getting that number one seed or about winning during the regular season. And this is how you end up with teams like the Celtics this year, Atlanta in previous years, and and yeah. so on. I'm afraid we're going to see this more often. Yeah, and the regular season has been a big issue. Um, the competitiveness in the NBA has been far gone. It's, it's almost a foregone conclusion that the Cavs and Warriors are probably going to play each other with the exception of the Spurs in the Western Conference. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you, Reed. The, the competitiveness during the regular season is not where it used to be. There needs to be more of a balance of power in the NBA. And um, as much as I love the NBA, it's and I, I'll watch a bunch of games throughout the year, it's just it wasn't the same in competitiveness-wise. It's You know who's going to be in the finals, so it's like it kind of takes away from the regular season a bit. And you see LeBron James. He doesn't care about a number one seed. He, he, they're fine with the number two. So um, I think it is a big issue in the NBA, and um, hopefully free agency and Paul George. Hopefully uh, he, he's a big splash this summer, who I think will get traded, and um, Melo can uh, also get traded. So I think there'll be some moves this offseason. And the playoffs are just so long in themselves. I mean, the regular season drags on, but then the playoffs go on for almost two months yeah. where it's it's hard for them to really care about the regular season, these guys, when people like LeBron who know they're going to make a long push, a long run in the playoffs, they know they have so many games to still play and weeks and weeks of games. But I just want to circle back to one thing you said, Reed, on how the importance of a pass first point guard. I feel like it's different today because if you look at the last two titles, I mean, Irving and Curry, I wouldn't really say either of them are pass first point guards. Well, it's just well Irving won it because he has LeBron James, who is an amazing passer. Yes, but and he's, Curry but he's won that a... because Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were out the previous year. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that. Well, you'd be wrong. <laughs> but also, <laughs> you gotta I, give Curry more credit I, I, than I, that. Before we move on, I do want to quickly agree <laughs> with with Nick. Um, yeah, the last couple point guards to be on a championship championship team weren't necessarily pass first point guards. But that just goes to where this NBA is going. It's more it's just of a high, different o- high, high octane offense. Your point guard needs to get you 20, 25 points a game to be a top seed in this in this league. But let's move on. Okay, so we got Toronto and Milwaukee, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I pronounced that right. Um, he's playing lights out. He's he's doing everything. He led his team in points, rebounds, assists, and steals throughout the year, and um, he has his team split with Toronto heading back home. Um, Toronto doesn't really look like a true contender at this point. Uh, Kyle Lowry's coming back from, um, I'm blanking out on what injury he had, but he missed a couple, a couple months, I think with a, yeah. a, a forearm, I think it was. So he doesn't look a hundred percent. DeMar DeRozan was top five in scoring this year. 
and um, he's playing really well. But as a team, Toronto looks like they have a lot of flaws, and Jason Kidd is a great coach who I think doesn't get enough credit in Milwaukee. But I, I honestly think Milwaukee has a strong shot to knock off number three Toronto. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was really hoping Toronto was going to take a step forward this year because last season they played pretty well and obviously got to the conference final, but I still think they were underachieving for the amount of talent they had. And again, this year we're seeing it in that first game. Uh, they just didn't – I mean, they even made moves to get better, picking up a, a Serge Ibaka. And Which I th- thought would help them. Yeah, too. I would think yeah. they'd be more of a contender, and I think they would have won these first two games at home, especially they have a really good home advantage in Toronto. The fans there are great. But they're just not playing super well. They barely won game two, lost game one, going to Milwaukee now. It's not looking great for them. And even if they get past them, I don't see them getting past the Cavs at all. I, I thought they might have had a chance if they played well in this series, but they, it just hasn't happened for them. Yeah. I, I think part of it is also the matchup they drew is just unfortunate because the Raptors are not good at shooting. I always thought that's their weakness. You know, DeMar Rosen is a great scorer, but he's not always the most efficient. Same with Kyle Lowry. Now, their last game, they won because, I, in part, I think because Kyle Lowry went 6-for-12 from the field. DeMar DeRozan went 9-for-18. If we all know basic math, that is a 50% from the <laughs> field. And that is great, but it's not what they usually do. And they face off against Milwaukee, who is also a poor shooting team. But what they are is they are the bullies on the block. They are physical, they are big, and they are intimidating. And yeah. so... The way to beat those kind of teams is to sh- shoot well, stretch the floor, and take away their size. Toronto can't do that. So Milwaukee gets to play to their strengths. Jason Kidd, again, great coach, underrated coach. Very underrated. Gets to, gets to kind of play around with his roster. And the Raptors, on top of that, are, have been known to crumble during the playoffs. So it's just <laughs> a really bad storm for Raptor fans. And I also I wanted to give a shout-out to um, potential rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon, because he's not your prototypical rookie. I think he's about 24 years old. He played four years at Virginia and redshirted a year. So he's basically there for five years. So he came into this league very seasoned and Jason Kidd's seen a lot in this guy and um, has given him really a lot of minutes throughout the season. And during the playoffs, last night he didn't really have a good game. He only had seven points. But, you know, he does a great job at orchestrating this offense, getting Giannis involved. And uh, quickly, I just want to shout out um, Giannis' stat line last night. 24 points, 15 rebounds, and 7 assists. And they only yeah. and they only lose by six points, so like Toronto kind of squeezed squeezed by them, and potentially could have went down 2-0. So I'm I'm very high in Milwaukee, and I think they're gonna win Game Three. I think the game is on Friday, but uh, when it's all said and done, Milwaukee might be in the second round. It's always it's always big in a series to have the best player on the court, and you could make the argument with how Giannis is playing that he has been the best player on the court in this series, better than DeRozan, better than Lowry, and that's always big, especially in a playoff series. Yeah, yeah well, he's. Uh, I might be mistaken, but he led his team during the regular season in every major stat. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's great if you have someone like DeRozan who's a great scorer for your team, but it's even better if you have someone who's a good scorer, a good rebounder, someone who can pass, someone who can defend. And that's what... He really can do everything. That's what the Greek freak is. And I think Milwaukee is that typical team that is um, knocking on the door to be contenders but aren't really necessarily there. They need one piece. They need one more piece. We Sem- talked about this in an earlier pick and pod, though. Yeah, right? no, exactly. They're like about one piece away. Yeah. As one of the teams we thought was going to be in the finals once LeBron kind of yeah, I remember fades you away that, from the yeah. NBA. And Jabari Parker's not even on this roster. Yeah. Let's point that out, too. ACL yeah. tear, I still think— And they think, still might win the series. Yeah, yeah, I still think when he comes back, he could end up becoming a really big player if he can ever be healthy. And really, I really hope he— um. He gets healthy. This is the second time he's torn his left ACL. So I'm, unfortunate. It's really unfortunate, but he was playing really. He was playing 20 points a game uh, basketball before he got injured. So 
really, really hope he gets healthy for next year. But as as of this year, the Bucks look like they're in a really good position to uh, proceed in this year's playoffs. But let's continue on in the East as we have two more series here. I'm kind of con- going to condense them into one as we are we got a little time constraints here. But Cleveland, Indiana, Cleveland's up 2-0. And then we have Washington, Atlanta. Washington's up 1-0, and they play tonight. Let's start with Washington, Atlanta. Uh, John Wall is really playing really well. Uh, one of the best point guards in the league, averaging 20-10. and 10. What do you guys think Washington's ceiling is? Because I think they'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And um, John Wall and Bradley Beal are probably one of the best backcourts in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's a team that's underperformed. I mean, this, they, I mean, they have Dwight Howard, and he's a guy that... I mean, he's bounced around to a couple teams now in the past few years. And yeah. he's just he's played well, but he, I mean, he hasn't made an impact enough to... Scored extend. seven points in yeah. that game. Well, yeah, seven gen- points. Yeah, he generally he's it, yeah. played well, but I mean, not in this series. Well, at least in the first game. But he's a guy that's obviously has so much talent, but it just hasn't gotten his teams anywhere. And and it's happening once again with Atlanta. I mean, that team's okay. They're they're a top five defense, but they don't have anything really going on offense. Well, Atlanta's been this team that has been stuck in NBA purgatory for as long as we can remember, <laughs> right? They've well, always they were the one seed. Not and too long they got ago. to the Eastern Conference Finals that first year with when LeBron was back with the Cavs. Okay, guys, but they were one of the worst one seeds ever when they were the one seed and the reason they got to the Eastern Conference Finals was not about them being good it was about the East being weak fair enough what I'm saying is that they don't really have a face to their franchise yeah they got to White Howard five years too late and they're always (laughs) too good to get a good draft pick not good enough to go far in the playoffs and they're now having to face John Wall who I think needs to be talked about more as one of the best point guards in this league. Yeah. Because now what he's doing, he's always been a great athlete, arguably the fastest runner in the NBA. He gets up and down the court like in light, of light speed. Always been a great scorer. He has improved his shooting, and now what he's added to it is passing. He's yeah. getting his teammates involved. And I'm not as high on Bradley Beal as you are. I think Bradley Beal can sometimes be a one-trick pony in terms of just being a shooter. But uh, players like Gortat, Portis are starting to really contribute to this roster and turning them into a team that will have the honor of losing to the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think that's a team that needs another piece. They just need a couple more years, just a, a playoff experience under their belt. Although, but I, and a couple I, years of LeBron's and he's getting a little older, <laughs> that might help them out. No, I I agree with both of you guys. Um, what uh, John Wall needs more recognition as a top point guard in the league. He's doing a great job this year as more of a leader too. Because in the past couple of years, he was more of the the scoring type point guard, which we talked about earlier, that is kind of where the NBA is going. But he kind of took a step back and said, "Hey, I'm a point guard first, yeah. and let me get everybody involved." He, in, in that game against um, Atlanta, he got more as many assists as Rondo, 14, and scored more than Curry, who scored 29. Like that's yeah, yeah, amazing. He he's taking his game to a whole nother level, and I think this is just the start for John Wall and the Washington Wizards. They're going to be in the Western Conference Finals this year, in my opinion. And like I said, that's just a start for them. I think they're going to go on and win this series. They play tonight. Uh, I can see them going up 2-0. Quickly, before we get to the West, I don't think we need to spend too much time in the series. But I think, Nick, I think if you remember, remember in the pre-production meeting, you kind of like Indiana. But I think Cleveland's probably going to sweep them, if not five games. Uh, it's 2-0 right now. So, um, yeah, even if Cleveland wins, well, Cleveland's probably going to win the series. But yeah. when they do, I, if you're a Cavs fan, I, the, I wouldn't look at that series and at least how they how they've played so far, and be happy about the Cavs' play. Their defense has still been pretty bad. In both those games, they were down to the wire in the last few minutes. The Pacers were in the game still on the road without a lot of ro- talent on that roster. Yeah. So the Cavs, even if they're winning, it's 
you're still a little worried, but the way Toronto's playing, or if they end up playing Toronto or Milwaukee in the second round, they probably still get past them, even if they're not playing very well. But I think once they get to that conference final, they really have to step up, step up their game and play how they did in last year's finals to get past Washington this or is, this, like Chicago. This, this isn't point. a championship defense right now. No. I think. no. Well, that's the problem. I mean, this series, there's not much to talk about in this series. Basically, what's happening is Paul George needs to carry his team for them to even have a chance. And they they have no they have no chance to beat the Cavs. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the real telling sign in this series we can take away as someone looking towards the second round is that yeah Cleveland has defensive issues and I don't know if that's necessarily just an effort thing because what they've done to combat maybe the shooting power of the Golden State Warriors is they've gotten shooters of their own like Kyle Korver and players like I mean players like that. But the problem is a lot of those guys are not great defenders, and we can see that especially on the perimeter. Their perimeter defense is lacking. Kyrie Irving has never been a great perimeter defender. Now, I don't think it's going to be their kryptonite. I still think they're going to win the NBA championship. But if they lose, it is going to be be because of their perimeter defense. Yeah, I agree with you guys 100%. They're going to get to the NBA Finals um, in a cakewalk, in my opinion, even though they are some formidable teams in the East. We just went through a couple of them, but... They will be in the finals, but if they have any, if they want any chance of beating the Warriors, they got to sharpen up that defense, and uh, I think they will. I think they'll flip the switch eventually. I, they had a really bad second half of the season, which they were, um, I think, 29th in the league in opponent scoring. That's not going to continue as the postseason progresses. So, Cleveland's probably going to win that series and go on to the NBA Finals, but they got to sharpen up that defense. Let's move on to the West now. Okay, I'm going to start with. Um, the Clippers Jazz series as great series. It's a really it's a really great series. Um, it's tied one one. The Clippers lost on a buzzer beater in game one. Uh, Joe Johnson has proven throughout his career to be ice cold, and he hit a nice floater over DeAndre Jordan. <clears throat> excuse me to um to put the Jazz up one one zero in the series, but they did lose last night by eight. I think it was ninety nine ninety one. Uh, the Clippers had sixty points in the paint. Uh, still didn't win that game. Um too comfortably I want to say so it's this this is a toss-up I'm, I'm a big Chris Paul guy I'm a big Clippers guy uh, I, I would like to see them go in the second round and have a shot against the Warriors but they got to get past Utah first and Utah is no joke they have a really good defense Rudy Gobert going down was a tough one but Gordon Haywood uh, Derek Favors and the crew they, they've been playing really good basketball and they're going back home uh, split with with uh, the Clippers what do you guys think about this series I love this series both of the teams have played really well in the first two games. I think last night's game, in Game 2, it was just a fantastic game to watch. Both yeah. teams played really well. Uh, I think the Clippers showed, though, that they have more talent on this roster, especially without Gobert on the on the court. So when both teams were playing at their best last night, we saw the Clippers win because they had guys like Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan in the paint and, and, and obviously Griffin with a big three late in that game. Yeah. So I, I think the Clippers, if they can continue to play at that level without – playing down because without I think with Gobert Utah is a better team but without him I think the Clippers are definitely better yeah and they have that experience so if they can keep this going in Utah I don't know if they can on the road especially with guys like Jamal Crawford who are more reliant on kind of the and JJ Reddick yeah yeah, of course more more reliant on that home atmosphere but we'll see I think it's going to be a great series and probably go down to the wire either six or seven yeah even though Utah lost against uh the Clippers last night they're going to leave or they are leaving Los Angeles victors because when you go on the road in the playoffs the, your goal usually is to split, split the series like, yeah. you're always like we would love to win both games on the road but it's usually not going to happen because these are pro pros on both teams so utah splitting it's amazing although i will say the way they won that first game isn't really convincing because they didn't dominate they won in a last second shot which is not a 
thing you want to depend on. But I think that Joe Johnson play is a good sign for Utah for a completely different reason. And that's because schematically, I like how Utah runs their offense and defense, their coaching staff. Now, this is maybe just my personal opinion, but lots of times what Chris Paul made that basket with 10 seconds left, lots of times when the team gets the ball after that, they call a timeout. They want to set that up. They didn't, they didn't call timeout. They didn't there. do that, and you don't see that enough. I'm not a big believer in that because I believe by calling a timeout, you get you allow the Clippers' defense or whoever your opponent is to, match up to set, set up. their defense yeah. up. We saw that with the Pacers-Cavs game in Game 1. Exactly, they were able to yeah. set up their defense yeah. and have a plan to double George and prevent him from taking the shot. So, per- perfect example. So exactly, that's, so that's why I have more faith in Utah. It's the Clippers, though. I don't know what is about them. They should be so much better than well, they are. Well, we saw yesterday when they play good. They're really good. No, I don't know what it comes down to. Quickly, before I get to the Clippers, Quinn Snyder for the Utah Jazz is probably uh, going to be runner-up to coach of the year behind Mike D'Antoni. He's done a great job with Utah, and him not calling timeout in that position gave them the game. I, mean, that, I think they're so good. If Gobert is in that game, they probably go 2-0 exactly. on the road. That, and the fact that Rudy Gobert is out and the Clippers did end up losing game one and then they're now split going into game three that's really tough but to move to switch back uh, to the Clippers I think Chris Paul what it comes down to he has to be the aggressor on offense and I know we, we've talked about it a little bit throughout this this episode that um, a scoring point guard is not necessarily what you want with your team but Chris Paul has proven to be one of the best pure point guards this game has ever seen and I've watched more Clipper games than anybody in New York State probably in the past <laughs> four years and I the Clippers are a better team when he looks to shoot and he did that last night. He put yeah. up. He put up. I think like uh, seventeen, eighteen shots, which is season average is twelve. So he, if he can be the aggressor and uh, kind of orchestrate this offense with the way we know he can as a pure point guard, the Clippers are going to end up winning this series. But it's um, it just they don't have a three also, which comes back to Doc Rivers being the GM and coach, which is why they haven't really been able to get over the hump, in my opinion. Um, but it's this is probably the best first round matchup I would say. But the Clippers are going to win this in seven. Um, Chris Paul just needs to be the aggressor, I think. I think a big factor, too, is if Gobert actually comes back. They're saying he's cons- he's possibly coming back later in the series if it goes long, so we'll see. Because if, if he comes back, that would be a whole other and, dynamic. And he will be banged up when he comes back, so you got to look at that also. He won't be yeah, 100%. He won't be 100%. And um, same with Austin Rivers. He's... Um, He's coming back, I think, game three also. So see see what those in, those injured players could do for them. I'm with you in the Chris Paul camp. I think Chris Paul is an unbelievable point guard, possibly the best of our generation. Yes. And I wanted to just kind of clarify this position for people listening. There's a difference between having a score-first point guard and having a point guard who can score. I think Chris Paul is the latter. I love a point guard that can score. That's awesome. Yeah. But I love a point guard more that can get the team involved and then score after that. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. So that's just one to, to no, clarify of course. that. Yeah, of course. And Chris Paul has done probably the best job in the NBA at doing that because he he's proven to give you 20 points a game throughout his career. He's done it three times when he was back uh, in his earlier 20s. but And he's also led the league in assists four times. So he's proven to do both. And I think a team will be better off with a, a point guard like that. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Uh, I'm looking at... San Antonio and Memphis before we get into uh, probably the best matchup of the postseason. Let's go to San Antonio Memphis first. Um, San Antonio's up 2-0. Uh, Fisdale, I think, is the Memphis head coach. Yep. He got fined 30K for um, his outburst, which I think I watched most of that game, and he had a point because the discrepancy in free throws was outstanding. I mean, Kawhi Leonard himself shot more free throws than the whole Memphis Grizzlies team, and they're a physical bunch, so they are a team that kind of looks at that free throw line as a 
as a weapon throughout the game. Yeah. So they kind of look to attack in that type of way with their offense. And the fact that they weren't getting up uh, enough free throws, which really goes – I hate to call out the officiating, but I watched most of that game. It was bad, that game. But uh, San Antonio's going to win the series still, but it's that was an ugly game too and an ugly game for the officiating. Memphis has so much of their offense from the paint with Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph. So it's it's – you would understand why they would they would have issues with not getting foul calls because naturally when you're in the paint, not always, but you're more likely to get foul calls than guys taking jump shots and getting fouled on them. Yeah. So I understand their their complaints, but still, I mean, San Antonio is a better team. Memphis played, I think I believe it was game one. They played an impeccable first quarter at Memphis. They played the best basketball I've seen them play, and they were up I think six yeah, at, the end of the, at the end of the the first quarter. So even when they played at their best, they were barely beating San Antonio. And then San Antonio came back and ended up winning that game by almost thirty. So San Antonio just has way 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 more talent. But Marcus is awesome. He's a great player in the paint. He's probably better than his brother now at this point. But Powell's on the tail end, and yeah. Mark's just really stepping up his game. So that they still have a future. I mean, Mike Conley is also great. But I think they're also another team that's missing a star and. Playing in Memphis, I don't think they're going to get it anytime soon. Well, Fitzdale wasn't wrong in what he said. He was wrong in the fact that he said it. You know what I mean? He was like, how's that for data? Did you guys and, see that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for him just because if you guys don't know who he is, where he came from, Miami. he was, yes, he was an assistant coach on Miami um, ever since 2008. So, I mean, obviously he has a couple championships. He won the two chips on the, on the bench with them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. With LeBron there and yeah. stuff. So, I think he has the experience to be a good coach, but that's another uh, conversation. But the free throw discrepancy is exactly my problem. Is I was I, that sounds like a Reed's greatest hits, but I always say this too: <laughs> is that good officiating isn't the amount of fouls they call or whatever; it's the equal amount of fouls they call. Right. So if you play a game that where refs call a lot of fouls, but they call a lot of fouls for each team, as a player, you're like, okay, this it's is going how both we go. ways. You know, yeah. And on the opposite spectrum, if they're like they're letting them be physical, they're not calling fouls. That's fine. The problem is exactly this: when one team gets law fouls called and the other doesn't. Now, play style could be an issue, but I don't think that's necessarily it. So I think he's right in saying that. But then Kawhi Leonard also made them pay nineteen for nineteen from the free throw line. Yeah. What the heck? The no. guy scored thirty-seven points and only made nine field goals. <laughs> that is impressive in and of itself, even if he shouldn't Take have gotten all those of the free opportunities throws. he had. Yeah, no, Kawhi that's Leonard. Impressive. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard is. Um, He's a top three player in this league in terms of def- what he does on offense and defense. So I couldn't be happier for, for somebody to to be thriving like this in the postseason. He worked out with Kobe all summer, so it's kind of translating into his game as he's averaging over 25 points a game for the first time in his career. Although, that might have also come up in his two assists the last night, not passing much like Kobe. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, maybe his time with Kobe reflects on his uh, a lack of assists. Spend a little bit more time <laughs> with Magic now, right? This summer's Kobe, next summer's Magic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. A lot of people said Kawhi was only good because of the San Antonio system that they have with Popovich, but I think this year he proved, yeah, without a, a doubt, point. that no, yeah. he's just an incredible and, player. And yeah. If he was on any of the 30 teams in the league, he would be amazing. He's he, probably just yeah. better on San Antonio than other teams, but he'd still be great. He is a legitimate um, face of your franchise, and he is the perfect person to usher in this new era for the Spurs. As Tim Duncan recently just retired, we all know. So it's um he's the prototypical uh, superstar. He uh, does it very modestly. He won't um won't be flamboyant, won't be flashy. He won't be on the front page of the news. So um I'm I'm a really I'm really happy for Kawhi and what he's accomplished this year. As for the Spurs Memphis series, Memphis is really physical, but. I see. Uh, I can see the Spurs closing. Memphis that. is the closing Atlanta that. of the Western Conference. The same thing I said about Atlanta. They always get there, middle yep. of the pack, but then NBA they purgatory. Don't... Exactly. Let's um, let's go on to the biggest series of the first round, and uh, even though it kind of didn't live up to the hype in Game One, 
Uh, Houston versus the Thunder. It's the two MVP candidates going at it. Um, Russell really was not efficient at all in that game one. He was 6 for 23 with 9. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it's just the whole year, yeah, he's averaging a triple-double, but he was never really efficient, and he averages a heck of a load of turnovers, and as a point guard, you do not want the person who is predominantly holding the ball to to have that much turnovers. Actually, I need to correct you on that. Not He's not an efficient shooter. Technically, he's actually efficiency scale overall game in the NBA was number one efficiency. It's the, and I know what you mean. In I'm terms not saying, of a field I don't percentage like, and turnovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he shoots an inefficient amount. But I think this is exactly what we said during the regular season is now it's playoff time. And this is what happens when you're the only option on your team. Houston just has to clamp down on him, and then what's going to happen? This. They're going to lose 118-87. to Yeah, even though he averaged over five turnovers a game, I still think since he has the ball in his hands every play more than other point guards, and he plays so many minutes, I think you could kind of forgive that. Yeah, but, but Westbrook had 22 points, nine turnovers. Harden well, of had, course. That was Harden had game. 34 points, uh, two turnovers. So the difference is Harden has a little more on his team, so he does not all the pressures on him, not all the yeah. defenses on him. With Westbrook, they just clamp down on him, and then yeah. what? I mean, you need somebody else to step up, but they don't have anybody that else that could step up. And Patrick Beverly is the guy for the job in terms of guarding. It's just a Westbrook. good matchup for Houston. Oh, 100 percent. They have shooters all over the court. They um, broke a record for most three-point field goals made in a season, so um, it's going to be really hard for this Thunder team to match up with them. But th- the strength of the Thunder is their physical play and their rebounding. And they didn't even have the advantage in that in Game 1. So if they're not going to have that, this is going to be a really sh- short series. Also, Victor Oladipo has been disappointing. He came into yeah. this team, people thought, you know what? When he was in Orlando, they thought maybe he could be their franchise player. Comes to OKC, they're like, wow, this would be a great compliment to Westbrook. And he goes 1 for 12 last night. Doug McDermott, a guy they got from Chicago in the trade, I thought was going to be a good con- contributor from the three-point line. Pretty much shouldn't have put a jersey on last night. If it wasn't for Roberson scoring 18 points, this team would have been blown out like it was a JV team playing a college varsity <laughs> team. Like it was not the greatest showing for OKC. We'll yeah. see what happens if, if OKC can get a good game from Westbrook though, because if he can deal with that extensive defense on him and the double teams, because they were great. Anytime he had a, a monster game, when he anytime he had a triple double, they went I think 32 and nine when he had triple doubles. So if he can play like that, they have a chance in this series. But again. For him to play like that for four games, they pretty much need to win the series, and I don't see that happening. It's going to be a, a, a really, really tough task for Russell Westbrook um, to find a way to win this series. Um, we just said it. Uh, the weapons for the for the Rockets just simply outweigh the weapons for the for the Thunder, and the, the fact that Russell Westbrook will have to do this basically all by himself, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. We know the Thunder, they're a sixth seed in the playoffs, so they're there for a reason, but Russell Westbrook is what makes this team... Um, well, go so it's it's if if it's gonna be really tough for him to get going. In this is series, the Thunder losing this game or the Rockets winning this game more about the Rockets and what they do or more about OKC and what they can't do? Is is I think that's the I think it's OKC and what they can't do. Like yeah. are the Rockets legit? Are the Rockets just like wow they can even beat OKC who has Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double? They're a threat or is it like we don't really know? We don't really care. I think Houston's obviously favored heavily just because so much is on Westbrook if Harden has a bad game I could still see Houston winning because of the other guys they have but as I mentioned before it's it's so hard to ask for a guy like Westbrook to have an incredible game for that many times in a series that's why these seven game series it's it's harder for teams like this to win because when they're so reliant on one person maybe if it was a five game series oh he could do it for three nights maybe but four nights and it's gonna have to win a a game on the at least one game on the road in a hostile environment it's just gonna be so hard for them to uh to finish out the the Houston and uh, Thunder 
talk. I think Houston's going to find a way to win this series, but they're going to find it really tough to uh, to proceed in this playoffs with that style of play with the threes. Um, I don't think it's uh it's going to fare them well as they probably will end up going against another really good three point uh, t- three point shooting team in uh, the Warriors. But we only have about a minute here left, guys. Um, we didn't really talk about the Warriors Blazers series, but I think it's safe to uh, say. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors are going to win that one, even though C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, <clears throat> Damian Lillard are both really, really, uh, really good players and all-star caliber players. Uh, I don't see the Warriors losing that first-round series. But any final thoughts before we close out here, guys? I think everyone should stay tuned for the, the Clippers-Jazz series. If I had to pick one in the first round, that's the most exciting. Yep. And I'd say watch out for them. Obviously, I don't think they have a chance of beating Golden State if they get there. But either of those teams have a chance of beating Golden State, the Clippers or Utah. But I would pick... Um, Jazz to have a better chance against the Warriors because of their defense than the Clippers because they both play similar, the Clippers and Golden State, yeah, yeah. where they kind of they don't have an, an edge. But if Jazz can get Gobert back, then they might have a chance. But outside of that, in the West, I don't see any too exciting series, especially after what we saw with Houston in the first series. In the it's first a little game. bit of a dud, that series. Yeah. yeah. The, se- the, the seeding with the postseason, the problems, they stem from the problems the NBA has with the regular season. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> that we should probably touch on next week as the playoffs will probably be in either more more to talk about. So as uh, pro- uh, excuse me, as production of WFUV Sports, this is uh, Tyler Friere alongside Nick Resiopi and Reed Horner. This is production WFUV Sports, and this is Pick and Pod Playoff Edition. It's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam.